is Andrew. My name is Lee. And uh, let's get right into it. Uh, this week we've got some anime news to cover with you. Uh, the first bit is Overlord Season 3 has not only been announced, but it's going to be airing in July. Already? Yeah. This year? This year. It's going to be airing in July. Um, which kind of surprises me, because wasn't Season 2 just like... Winter of last year, it's pretty new. Yeah, I mean, just a half year gap between the two. It must be incredibly popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and pull it up. Let's see when Overlord Season 2... Actually, it's this year. Overlord Season 2, the last episode, aired today. Um, and it, ran, it started in January of 2018. So Season 3 is only, what, April, May, June... Uh, that's not far. That's not far off at all. That's crazy. That's what it's. I said the article said it was June this year. No, July. July. So May, June, July. So that's three months. Three months, okay. and we get more Overlord. Three months. And They're we're spoiling on... us. <laughs> Possibly, but it looks like um, it looks like uh, I'm not actually seeing who will stream it, but Crunchyroll had seasons one and two, so I'd be surprised if they didn't have season three as well. Right. So, um, it looks like Funimation is going to be doing the English dub mm -hmm. for season three as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, uh, season two just barely ended ending today. And as they ended it today, they announced season three coming out in July. That's, that's nuts. That is nuts. Let me go ahead and pull up Crunchyroll here and just see how many episodes... Because we're currently watching it. Every other Friday, we try to get together and just watch some anime together. Yeah. Um, and we're currently watching Overlord Season 2. Um, and we got about five episodes in in one night for the next season. Right. Let's see how many episodes of Overlord 2 there are. Okay, I guess I just have it all under Overlord. But let's take a look here. I'm not seeing it in my... Oh, here it is. Here it is. Oh, so we watched the first six episodes run of Episode 7. Right. Um, come on, come on, Crunchyroll app. Don't do this to me now. This is this is for great radio. This is for great radio. <laughs> <sighs> eh, whatever, it's fine. Can look it up later. Anyways, uh, we watched the first uh, six episodes, uh, and season two or season three is coming out in July. That's crazy how fast season three is coming out. I kind of wish some other shows had a season three as quickly as overlord did um anyways uh the next bit of news uh, i i that i'd like for us to go over today mm -hmm. crunchyroll has the rights to lupin the third five they made a lupin the third part five yep this one covers how lupin became lupin how so he became the greatest thief in the world. So it's kind of a prequel series. Kind of a prequel series, yeah. Um, but for those of you who don't know who Lupin is, Lupin is one of the most iconic characters in all of anime. Um, unfortunately, here in the States, not very many people know who he is. Um, but he's been around for 50-some-odd years uh, yes. in Japan. Um, and on Crunchyroll, they have the four Lupin the Third shows. They have another series called, um, I think it's a woman named Fujiko. Which is kind of a spin-off series that right. focuses on the woman, his on-again, off-again lover slash rival. Right. Um, yeah, Fujiko Mine. Um, but uh, yeah, they are um, actually the first episode aired today. And Crunchyroll has it, as well as uh, Hulu. And I want to say uh, Amazon prime has it as well wow i don't know if they have it in those were on the japanese website though i went to the japanese website and i saw that their web services included hulu and amazon prime so those but might be regional it's that, possible that they won't have that them. could just be a regional thing um and i haven't i hadn't bothered to pull it up and check but this okay. is from anime news network saying that Crunchyroll is streaming lupin the third and today being april lupin the third part five and today being april third it starts today fantastic so um for those of you who are not in the know about Lupin, um, Miyazaki's first movie, Hayao Miyazaki's first movie, was actually Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. That's right. So that's how that launched his career as a director. Um, and it's kind of fascinating to see. Um, 
I don't really want to get into the, the discussion about it now, um, but there, it's fascinating to see what anime movies were before Lupin the Third Castle of Cogliostro mm-hmm. and after Lupin the Third Castle of Cogliostro. Yes, because there's... a lot of people couldn't believe, like even in Japan, a lot of people could not believe that Lupin, that that could be drawn what they did with Lupin the Third Castle of Cogliostro. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Those of you who haven't watched it, go give it a watch. It's a fantastic movie. Um, and I'm excited to watch uh, Lupin the Third Part 5. I have to admit, though, I actually have not watched uh, Parts 1 through 4 yet because there's just so much of it. It's kind of daunting, but I have made it a personal goal of mine to watch all of Lupin... Uh, all of Lupin the Third, except for uh, well, the movies aren't available in English yet. Mm-hmm. But I, it's a goal of mine to watch all of Lupin the Third. Mm-hmm. So, I've been working on that kind of chiseling, chiseling away at it as I, uh, as I grind in Fire Emblem some nights. <laughs> um, another tidbit of news: the last bit. Um, this is something that's kind of exciting. I hope the states get some of this. Um, but Record of Lotus Wars 30th anniversary hit. Uh, is this year it's already 30 years old oh yeah yeah record of lotus war is 30 years old <laughs> and one of the great things about it um i love dungeons and dragons i love role-playing i know oh, you course. do too oh, it's it's so much fun to get around and just tell a story with your friends yes um and uh lupin no not sorry i'm still on lupin uh record of lotus war started off as pretty much a dungeons and dragons game that uh, someone started to write down, and as they wrote it down, they eventually turned it into the manga and into the story, which became Record of Lotus War. Um, and the first one was released in 1988. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I'm very, very happy uh, that the fact that people are celebrating it. Um, apparently, it was announced that uh, someone got the rights to re release it. Um, I'm just skimming the article now. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is another article on Anime News Network. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, I'm very excited that people are talking about it, that people are celebrating the 30th anniversary of it. Um, because I would like to see more love for this show, especially here in the States. Uh, especially with how revolutionary of a show it was at the time when it first came out. Um, but... For those of you who are turning your um, Dungeons and Dragons stories into books, it's possible. It happens. We see Record of Lotus War here that's gone on to sell 10 million copies uh, of book of books worldwide. Yes. And then we have, you know, the Dragonlance novels by uh, Tracy, Hickman, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. That's correct. Um, that started off as a D&D campaign as well. Yes. But of course, you need to be able to hide... The dice rolling, I mean, I can't tell you how many books or short stories I've written where I'm just like, okay, and now I can hear the dice rolling in my head. Yeah. Or the party gets together and has an awkward conversation in a uh, in a tavern yeah. and uh, decides to go off on a quest together. I'm just like, mm, hide it a bit better than that, guys. Come on. Right. You can go ahead and use inspiration from your stories and stuff like that, from your role-playing sessions, but you, hide the fact that it's Dungeons and Dragons. You, you've got... To have solid character motivations in your story. Otherwise, you're going to lose your audience. Mm-hmm. And that's just true from any medium and from any source of inspiration. Is that if you start having people do things because you want them doing that in your story. And you don't give them a why. You're robbing your own audience of a chance to identify with the characters that you love. And that you've put so much of your time and effort into mm-hmm. producing content featuring them. Um, so, sure. Um, you, so, sometimes it's a and it's a del- it's a very delicate balancing act between making sure every character has a valid motivation and trying to get these epic events that have happened in your in your games in your media to transpire and yeah i'm not saying it's going to be easy but i am saying it will be worth it mm-hmm. if you can have solid motivations for your characters 
do well, it. it it's, writing is more than just motivations for characters, but that's something we can go ahead and discuss at a later date. Um, sure. Uh, anyways, but, but you know, you you have you have these characters, and you have it's more than just the dice rolling. You can feel the DM railroading the uh, the story as well, trying mm-hmm. to get trying to get things to happen, and you can feel you can sense the players, you know, fighting that as hard as they can as well, derailing as much as possible, mm-hmm. depending on the different games. So, whereas with my DM style, there's no way for them to railroad it because. Uh... Most of the time, I just improv it anyways. (laughs) So, uh, that takes a lot of work, though, and you have to take a lot of notes afterwards in order to keep things straight. Mm. Um, Anyways, um, that's it for the news. And if there's anything else you wanted to cover today before we moved on to three episodes in? I, uh, that actually covers everything that I knew about this week. Okay. Um, Yeah, the, the Lotus War thing, the, um... Uh, the Overlord thing, the Lupin thing, yeah, that mm-hmm. was that was it. Okay, so we can move on to okay. uh, three episodes in. Awesome. Uh, this uh, week we watched a certain scientific index, and oh boy, what a ride those first three episodes were! They certainly brought us into a story. Uh huh. I want to see more. Yeah, I definitely want to see more. Um. Anyways, uh. Real fast, uh, gonna go ahead and just go over the characters real quick. Yes. We've got uh, Kajima Toma, who's the main character. Uh, we have uh, Misaka Mikoto. They say her name only a couple of times, but she's the girl who has the railgun ability, where she yes. is able to supercharge. Uh, yeah, she, she she has some sort of electricity powers, and she can shoot a, using it. She can shoot a coin at three times the speed of sound. Mm-hmm. So, so, much so they call living, her the ra- a living railgun. Yeah, she's a living railgun, and we have Index. Um, she has the ability to have a photographic memory. Uh, we've got, uh, their lowly teacher, Miss Komoe, which I thought the name for her was hysterical oh. because, do you, you know what Moe is? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. For our listeners who don't know what Moe is, it's something that's just naturally absurdly cute. Yes. Um, but not cute that makes you want to go blah. It's cute that makes you go and want to go oh, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, heart attack inducing cute. Yeah. Um, then again, there's so much more to Moa than that. Moa is just one of those things that it's hard to kind of pin down a good definition for. But really, it's something that's just kind of absurdly wonderfully cute. Yes. Um, and uh, ko also means child. Uh huh. So. This might not be the intent. I have not seen the kanji for her name, but Komoe is her name. So, so ridiculously cute child. Pretty much, or child of ridiculous sneak, a ridiculous, a ridiculous cuteness. cuteness. Yep, exactly. And she is an absolute delight. Uh, they also have some other characters they haven't named yet, but we also meet um, still Magnus, a redheaded yes. sorcerer, and then at the very end of episode three, we meet Kanzaki Kaori, who's a purple-haired sorceress. Uh, um, katana wielding, wearing a pair of, uh, wearing not a pair of jeans, just a jean. She's wearing half a jean, and the other half is like a super short short. Yeah, it's it, uh, it, it, it's half Daisy Duke, half long jean. It's one of those very very odd anime dress styles that just make you go what? Yeah. Somebody thought it looked cool drawn, mm-hmm. and it, and I'm not saying it doesn't, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that. People wouldn't wear that. Mm-hmm. But right off the bat, this show just sucks you right in. Like, the very first thing you see, is we see uh, Kajima um, running away from a group of thugs. And then it cuts yes. back a little bit. And he's gone up to protect a girl from a thug. And he is talking about how he is living the unluckiest... He's got an internal monologue going while he's running from them. Kind of like one of those... Uh, I bet you're wondering how I got here situations, but he doesn't do that. He just says, I am living the unluckiest life in the world, pretty much. And he walks up, he's kind of in this restaurant, and he sees this um, high school student being picked on. Not really being picked on, but being hit on by a thug. Yes, some ne'er-do-well seems to be pushing himself onto this girl. And he decides to go up and talk to the thug. And he says, hey, don't you think you're disturbing her? And as soon as he says that, the thug's gang walks out of the bathroom behind him and walks up. Like, a half hey. dozen of them, all at once, <laughs> going, 
Who are you? What do you want? Uh-huh. And then it goes, cuts back to the chase scene. He's running away from them. He's running away from them. And he stops and then said, and he's catching his breath and he turns around and he sees the girl walking up. Um, And this girl is actually Misaka. Yes, the uh, railgun. The rail. Well, yes, we don't know that at this point, though. But 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 we've already introduced the character. Yeah, in we've already introduced the character. Though notice I have not m- mentioned Kajima's power because that's an integral plot point that I kind of want to get to. And we'll it get will, to that we'll, point. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, he uh, um, he says uh, she's like, uh, did you think you were like, you know, protecting me from them? And he was just like, no, no, I was protecting them from you. Turns out she's one of the what they call a level five esper and there's only a handful of them in all of this uh school city that all these people live in and um he says you really shouldn't look down on people just because you are so uh you know you you're so much more powerful than than them and she says only somebody as powerful as you gets to say something like that to me and then she goes and she shoots him with a railgun bolt shot of hers. Mm-hmm. And he puts up his right hand and catches it. And that's where it cuts. Yeah. After he's blo- already blocked an attack of hers. And she's just like... Uh, uh, that <laughs> He's blocked one attack from her. And then she says how... Oh, that's right. That's right. I apologize. I got mixed up. He catches the attack. And then she, uh, that's when she says only somebody as powerful as you can get away with saying something like that to me and uh he said i don't know what you're talking about i'm just a normal high school student she says yeah you just took a full-on shot from me without it even singeing you which is a little bit not true because his clothes are a bit ruffled and a bit singed here and there but he's physically just fine yeah and she and then uh apparent uh, it's implied that they have an ongoing fight between the two of them where she's constantly trying to prove herself the better yes and camera cuts out and there's this massive electrical discharge from the sky. And one of the cool things they do about her is that when she's fighting, it's just every once in a while, you know, electricity will just spark off of her because she's just yeah. this natural walking conduit. Yes. Um, but, and then it cuts. And then we go to the next day. And I actually kind of think this is a good moment to bring in the new segment that we kind of discussed um, last time called... 10 great things about so while we're doing three episodes in we decided that we're also going to go ahead and each come up with five things that we really enjoyed about the first uh 10 episodes first three episodes first three episodes yes um so and this is this is my first one that i want to bring up yes anyways he um he gets up and he's just like oh crap i guess i'm late for school um he goes up, and it turns out her electric discharge knocked out the power in, in his apartment. In his apartment, not only that, but it completely fried his refrigerator. And like he had bought a sandwich, and was gonna eat it, and the sandwich had gone bad, and all this stuff. And he keeps tripping and falling over stuff because he's just this incredibly unlucky person. Um, and he says, "Well, you know what? The weather's really, really nice right now. I think I'm gonna go ahead and air out my futon." And uh, he rolls up his futon and he opens up the window and he says, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't. It's probably going to rain if I put my futon out. And then he looks and he sees this lump of white hanging over his banister. And he says, oh, I guess I already put my futon out. Hmm. But he's holding it in his hands. As he's holding the futon in his hands. And that, to me, was the first thing that I liked about the show was just that one joke. That... I don't know, maybe just spoke to my sense of humor really, really well, but he's just like, oh, I guess I'm already hung it out as he's holding this photon in his hands. And it's a girl. And then he realizes that it's a girl in a white outfit. Draped over his the railing of his mm-hmm. veranda. And eventually, like, he, uh, he asks her how she got there, and she says, oh, I jumped. And she jumped from the roof of a nearby building to try to get to the roof of his building, and he's eight stories up, and he's not at the start at the top of his building. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that that's how we meet Index. Yes. And he brings her in, and like what what her first words to him are like, "I'm hungry. I'm very hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me." It's like, Feed "I'm me. hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me." 
Feed me, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me. So he takes care of her and feeds he f- her. He feeds her rotten food. Which she gladly takes. Thinking she, that it's the most flavorful thing she's, she's ever like, eaten. She's like, oh wow, how did you make this salad sour? And he's just like, ooh, wow, yeah, let's let's not touch that again. Yeah. Um, and she said, uh, oh, this salad is so delicious. How did you make it so sour? And he's like, I didn't make it. And he says to himself, I didn't make it sour. I just put it together with rotten food from the fridge. And then he realizes he's feeding this girl rotten food, feels bad about it, and then eats it himself and passes out. Yes, he gives himself food poisoning to try to save her life. But she seems to be completely immune to the problems with his food. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, this girl starts talking about how, um, you know, uh, people are after her because she has 103,000 grim- grimoires. Yes, uh, the goes, contents of magical books. Yep, the contents of 103,000 magical books or grimoires. Yeah. Um Stored away in her memory. Stored away in her memory, yep. Uh, she, um... She's a little vague on that point, but that is where it is. Yep, yep, she's a little vague on that. Um, but she, uh... Anyways, she, uh... You know, he starts talking about how magic doesn't exist, and she's just like, you believe that supernatural abilities exist, but you don't believe in magic? And he's like, well, they're two completely different things, of course. Like, one's scientific, the other is magical. And she's like... She refuses to, uh, she, she doesn't back down. Anyways. Yeah, she, she starts, um, starts griping with him and arguing with him over the nature of, uh, mm-hmm. divine powers and calling him a, a, a sissy non-believer and abusing him along those lines and then reveals that the robe she's wearing is an exact duplicate of the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. And that it's a holy artifact. That prevents her from both magical and physical damage while she's wearing it. Yes. And we've established that his power is the cancellation of other people's powers. Well, we hadn't established that. It's but what he says it's it is. It's what he says it is in, during this conversation. He says that I have the ability to cancel out other people's powers. It's what I can do. And so he, he knows it works on espers, but he's never met magic or divine powers before, but he just assumes that's probably what's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And so she provokes him, and he responds by rushing, rushing up to her and placing his hand on her shoulder. And it takes a moment before her clothes explode. Yeah, her clothes explode. Mm-hmm. And he honestly feels bad for it, um, but... Her, uh, her method of retaliation is uh, one of the first, is number eight on my list. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that she starts biting him in retaliation. And this is a running gag throughout the first three anytime episodes at least. He, anytime he upsets her, the next thing you see is little semi little mm-hmm. dotted semicircles in blue all over his body mm-hmm. of places that she's bruised from her teeth marks. And while it doesn't show it while she normally smiles... The first, there's a couple of times where it shows that she has a single fang. Yes, and she has a snaggletooth fang. And when she goes, ha, and getting ready to bite him and stuff. So, yes. yeah. But, yeah, whenever he upsets her, her retaliation is that she bites him. And, yeah, there's there's purple bite marks, all comedic bite marks. It's not, like, violent bleeding or anything like that. No. But, yeah, it's uh, it's... Yeah, that's the first time. But they're excessive. They're all over him. All of his face and arms. And it's, it's hilarious. It's a pretty good joke. Not gonna lie. It's a pretty good joke. Where uh, you know, he's just covered in bite marks. And just think how... Up. And she's a lot smaller than he is. Let's see. He's a, she is a lot smaller than he is. So you're wondering how on earth she got to some of those places to bite. <laughs> Clearly knocked him down. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, so... They resolve the situation by her using safety pins to pin her shirt back together. And that becomes a part of her character design from then on out. She's got, got three massive safety pins. Giant gold safety pins on her uh, mm-hmm. on her ropes. Um, but she leaves and he goes to class. But when she leaves, he, she realizes she left behind her hood. Yes. Left behind her hood. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to class and this is where... Uh, one of my uh, comments come in. Uh, we meet the lowly teacher. Like, have... their teacher, Miss Komoe, is a lowly. She is 
probably in her mid-30s, I would assume, by the lifestyle we see that she's doing later on. But she but... is the character type of an eight-year-old. She has the body of an eight-year-old in anime. Mm-hmm. And she acts like it, too. Yes. Like, she, he apparently... Um, uh, oh, uh, real fast, uh, before we get into this, um, Index says that your power is not canceling out abilities. Um, oh, what does she say? I forget what it is. I forget what it is. But she clearly defines what... I should have written it down. But she defines what his ability is, and it's a lot more than he thinks it is. And it's Mm. a lot more... And the reason he's so unlucky is because of his right hand. Yes, his right hand somehow defies the laws of God, and God Mm -hmm. can't give him luck. Yep, God cannot give him luck, so he's just... I think that's what it is, yeah. Uh, It's uh, his right hand um, pretty much does the... like. You know, he, he touches a spell and that spell goes away. Yes. Type thing. Uh, he uh, So that's what his ability is. Uh, anyways, um, he is a terrible student, apparently. Um, and he's so taking remedial classes during summer He has to take remedial school. class during summer. And he goes and... Um, uh, he goes to class and as he's wondering what he's supposed to do about this girl... Um, he's off daydreaming looking he, out the window he's off daydreaming looking out the window and it turns out like the girls uh tennis club is practicing just happens to be uh-huh and this is after the teachers like been putting notes up on the t- on the board and telling them that um um you know kind of teasing them for their terrible scores and stuff like that for their tests and uh all the students love her they can just they think she's just the most adorable thing and he turns out the window and is just thinking about this. And one of the students says, Oh, teacher, teacher, um, Kajima is distracted by oogling the girls in the tennis club. And he turns and he looks at the teacher, Miss Komoe, and she's just got the saddest look in her eyes. She's so heartbroken and she starts crying and everyone in the class gets so pissed. Me like, you made her cry. How dare you? And it's so funny i had to pause it i had to pause it because i was laughing so hard and i had you know and i was trying to take she, notes on it and stuff she was playing the entire room possibly i mean we don't know much about her real character maybe that's just how she is or maybe she was just you know that's how that's how she acts to get sympathy from students. <laughs> yes. We don't know more than that at this point. I think it'd be hysterical if it was the latter. Yes. Um, but I definitely want to watch more than this, those episodes. Um, as uh, he was at school pretty late, and then on his way home, he yeah. runs across... Um, uh, let me get her name again. Uh, he comes across Misaka, mm. um, who is uh, the, the real gun, gun girl. Yeah. And uh, she wants a rematch. And he's just like, nope. No, it's okay. And uh, because, you know, I didn't actually beat you. I just canceled out your powers. Right. So really it was a draw. And she would not accept that. And she got mad and she stomped the ground. And this city, I guess this is a good t- time to establish that this city, I said earlier, this is a school city. Yes. This is a world with espers, people with psychic abilities. And so any child who's been found to have psychic abilities ends up getting shipped to this city mm-hmm. to learn how to use them yep. in an environment where they can practice. And not only that, but an environment where they can have kind of a normal life where they can interact with other kids and just, you know, go to school, go shopping, live on their own and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. So this city, I believe they call it a school city. I could be wrong about it. Academic city or something like that. Academic city, something like that. Um, This city, because it's populated mostly by students who go to school, uh, there are robots and things that will clean up the city and do things that typically, you know, city workers would do. Um, Anyways, they... um, As she stomps the ground because she's pissed at him... In a very Sundere matter by manner, I feel by the way, um, she uh, lets out an electronic surge and yep. that knocks over several of the robots, and and blows out a handful of uh, cell phones in the area. Blows out some ha- some cell phones in the area. Well, it's illegal to use your um, powers in a violent manner. Mm. Um, so those robots send off an alarm, and the two of them end up running off. Yes. Um. As he gets home that night, 
um, he comes across uh, some robots just kind of uh, trying to clean something up, and he doesn't really know what it is, and he gets closer, and he sees the bleeding-out body of Index. Yes, she's surrounded by those cleaning robots, and she's lying face down in the concrete hall. He's, he's They're in these high-rise buildings that are open out to the air on one side, so it's that halfway up is concrete fence, and then... Or railing, and then uh, mm-hmm. open air. And so he's there walking to his apartment in this area. And there she is on the floor, face down, with a great big um, bloody wound on mm-hmm. her back. And she's unconscious, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. Um... And when he's about to render her aid, that's when he's interrupted by a new figure that we just introduced, and that's your cliffhanger for episode one. Mm-hmm. Then, going into episode two, we find out who this person is. And that person is uh, Steel, Style, S-T-I-Y-L, yeah. however they want to pronounce it, Magnus. He's a wow. red-headed sorcerer. He actually looks a bit like um, Axel from Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay. I mean, not the spiky hair. Mm-hmm. But he has like those black, the black robe and kind of fire abilities and stuff like that. Right. Uh, long red hair. Um, but this actually kind of brings us to another mark that I wanted to bring up for 10 Things Great About. Um, sorcerers do not give their real names. And they don't say why. But for people who have kind of studied magics and, you know, the history of magic and folklore and myth and things like that. Giving somebody who knows magic your real name would give them power over you in old in the old magic. Right. Uh, that's Adamic magic, where Adam gave people, gave creatures their true names, and as such was made a ruler over them. Mm-hmm. So if you know somebody's true name, you have dominion over that person. So uh, they don't really mention that in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would not be surprised if that's what they went into. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of got, you know, my history and myth nerd, uh, blood pumping. I love it when they, when they put facts like that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to tell us about who this, what this guy is and kind of what his purpose is? Okay. So he seems to be a fire mage and mm-hmm. he's part of a group that is sent to collect index for the library that is in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, which they reveal at this point because mm-hmm. um, Kajima doesn't believe that she has those books. He's like, how on earth does this little girl have these books? Yeah. But it's in her head. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's when that moment is revealed. And um, Kajima, uh, playing his... Uh, his personality type of getting involved and trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, ends up trying to uh, fight this mage, and the mage just starts. Uh, is okay. So the mage is smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Tosses it over the railing. It falls a couple stories before he starts casting, and he pulls the flames from his cigarette into a fireball. Collects it back to himself, and then th- throws it at him. Mm-hmm. And that's when he discovers that yes, his right hand also can- cancels magic spells. He didn't know that before. Yeah, he was very very afraid because he knew it canceled out abilities, which is what they mean by espers. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was never able to cancel out magic. And real, and this might be a good uh, point to explain what the difference is between magic and abilities because this is something that Index explains. I don't exactly remember where she explains it, mm-hmm. but. Abilities, they're people who have naturally have talents. They're yes. espers. Uh, they're people like uh, Railgun or um, Misaka, um, where she is able to generate lightning or electrical discharges and things like that. And because mm-hmm. of that, she's able to pretty much be a living Railgun. Um, uh, Kajima, uh, he has the ability to, to cancel things out. He has the ability to, to you know, negate everything including god's luck right so um she tells him that you know you pretty much can't cast well um anyway and then um magic it was made by people who wanted those abilities but did not have them naturally 
Right. So espers cannot use magic. Um, magic was built and made by people who... Who were not espers, but wanted to be able to do something. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's the difference between magic and, um, and, uh, and abilities. Right. But, um... It, it's revealed here that Index, she has the ability to have a perfect photographic memory. She sees something once and she never forgets it. That's how she has 103,000 grimoires in her head. Right. And because she has all that knowledge in her head and because she has abilities and therefore cannot use magic, they're completely harmless, which is why they let her memorize them, why they had the church that she's with. Yes. Um, the church of... The church uh, of necessary evil. The church of necessary evil. They believe that... Um, uh, they're a splinter to, group. To understand, mm -hmm. to understand the creatures of darkness, your mind becomes tainted. To confront creatures of darkness, your body becomes tainted. Mm -hmm. So they are the church of necessary evil. They believe that um, magic and things like that are evil, mm -hmm. but in order to combat it, they need to know it. Yes. So they need to know what they're fighting against. Right. So they're the church of necessary evil. They're a splinter group from the Puritans. They call them Necessarius. Necessarius. Or something mm. like that. Was, was it the English Puritans? Was yes, that they the, were? yes, they were the, the English Puritans because England was a land of magic. Yep, England was a land of magic. That reminds me of the Robin Williams joke. The Puritans, how annoying do you have to be to get the British to kick you out? <laughs> how stuck up do you <laughs> yeah, have how, to be? How stuck up do you have to be to, to get, get the, the British, British to kick you out? Or maybe it was the English, I don't remember. Anyways... Yeah, just uh, he was referring to uh, early mm -hmm. early American settlers mm -hmm. having been pilgrims seeking religious freedom. No, the British kicked them out. <laughs> but anyways, um, he uh, Kajima fights Magnus. Yeah, and um, Magnus uh, keeps getting frustrated because this kid just keeps negating his spells. Right, and so he summons a creature. Um, Yes, I didn't write down the name, but it was like a fire demon. It was a fire said. demon, and in order to summon him, it required a bunch of uh, runes being nearby. Mm -hmm. Yep, and uh... and at first, uh, so the creature charges at our hero, mm -hmm. and our hero is able to deflect him with his right hand, but then it rematerializes behind him, and he's wondering why this thing's still around. The thing summons a flaming cross-type weapon, and strikes at him and he holds his hand up and he's holding back the weapon but it's not disappearing every time every moment that it feels like it should dissipate it's regenerating mm -hmm. at the same time and he's watching it happen it's not just feeling it but he watches it and he realizes that's what's happening yes um but as he um as uh that's when we learn about the runes and stuff because he's wondering how on earth this thing can still be around well it's because all these magical runes have been placed around the place and this is a um this is something we find out about Index, is that while her, um, she, she has some sort of split personality or something going on with her, that one of the reasons she's called Index is that she has, she can, like a search engine, or like the index in the back of a book, or the card catalog of a library, she can, re she can recite the knowledge that's in her brain, word for word. But she loses her main personality while doing it. She becomes mm -hmm. monotone, robotic, as she's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, it's like her main con her main personality is still unconscious, but a defense mechanism that's in inside of her activates and explains, and does the only thing that it is capable of doing to defend itself. It's explaining the situation to somebody who is trying to help. Mm -hmm. And that's how we find out about the runes. And uh, if we find out that because runes are in place all around the building, um, unless he gets rid of all of them, this creature is tied to the building and is not going away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, he as he goes and he finds the runes, there's just dozens of them, you know. Uh, taped all over the place. Yes. Um, they're not etched in or carved or anything. They're printed. They're like hundreds of copies of printed paper taped all over the... Taped all over the place. Plastered. And he tries to get rid of some, but as he's working to get rid of them, 
the demon once again shows up and attacks him. Um, but because the de the runes are what the demon is what's powering the demon, the runes aren't harmed by the demon. Um, anyways, he goes and he starts running and he realizes that this demon um, isn't following him when he leaves the building. It throws a couple, it throws something at him, but the demon is bound to that area because of those runes. And so he, uh, he's wondering what on earth he's going to do because this girl, the reason she came back to the apartment is because she realized she left her hood behind. Yes. And because her garments are magical, people can use magic to find them. And she realized that she had put him in danger. So she goes and she gets it or tries to get it. Um, but she's attacked, uh, when she does, mm -hmm. um, and he realizes this, and he realizes that he can't leave her there, so he goes back into the building to fight the demon. Mm -hmm. And next thing we see uh, is that the sprinklers get turned on, and the sorcerer's just like, oh, come on, really? That thing <sighs> goes at 3,000 degrees. Th this is the reason why I'm wet right now, is mm -hmm. somebody pulled the sprinkler system? <laughs> mm -hmm. But anyways, the... Um... Anyways, the demon... Uh, shows up again, yep. but um, but Kajima is just like, mm, no, uh, the water wasn't to put out the fire. The water was to get rid of the runes. Well, this isn't tissue paper. This is printer paper. This water's not just going to wash it away. You're absolutely right, but what about the ink? And that's when the ink starts washing off of the paper. That's when the and ink. It ink. And it destroys the... Uh, because anybody who's dropped a laser-printed document into a puddle of water knows that as soon as it touches that water, the ink's just going to run. And it will still be legible, but it won't be the same as it was. And for runes, they have to be precise. They have to be exact. So, so laser-printing them is super easy, and you get a lot of it, but a simple brick is just going to ruin them. There so, it is. And so he then punches the, uh, the sorcerer. Yep. Uh, who can't light his fire because of the of the sprinklers, and he picks up Index and goes, and he takes Index to the one place where you know um, she can be safe for the next little bit, and that's Miss Komoe's apartment. And in Miss Komoe's apartment, we learn that she's not as cute and as adorable as she claims to be. Yet at the same time, she is because she comes to the door wearing a bunny suit set of pajamas. Possibly because it's one of the few things in her size. Mm -hmm. But she runs, she runs to clean her apartment that is filled with empty beer cans and disposed cigarette butts. She has a cigarette ashtray so filled with cigarette butts it looks like a onion blossom. So our adorable little Moe teacher is a heavy drinker and a chain smoker. And for me, that was amazing. Holy cow. Oh, and real fast. And, 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 then, and then she talks to our main character as though she, she's asking if that's a deal breaker. It's like, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? And she says, you don't find some women who smoke unattractive or something like on one of those lines. And then he reminds her that, you know, he brought a girl here bleeding and needs help. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Anyways, real fast, my, one of the things that I brought for the 10 great things about was removing the runes to the sprinkler system because yes. that was just amazing. That was genius. Yes. You know? That was really, really cool. Um, anyways, um, that's where the episode kind of ends. Right. Bringing her in to help, mm -hmm. to get help. And, uh, but her, but her second personality is still active. So the original girl, Index's original personality is still unconscious. It's still dormant. Uh, yeah. but she says, uh... Miss Komoe says we need to call an ambulance right now, and then Miss and then Index says, unless the unless the ambulance will be here in fifteen minutes and can revitalize me, stabilize me, restore my magic and do my mana and do all these things, this body's gonna die. Yeah, but she has, uh, but the reason the reason that she was brought to the teacher mm -hmm. was the teacher was not an esper. She has no Esper powers, and so it's possible that she could be helpful in casting yes. magic. She's one of the few non-Espers in this city. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he was brought. That's why 
they brought Index to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she probably also fits in being this super tiny little teacher, you know. That could be a reason why she's in the city, actually. She's this, you know, it's it's kind of a city of outcasts when mm. you think about it. I mean, not really outcasts, but, you know, it's a city where, you know... People it's a city really where the abnorm- the abnormal is acceptable. The abnormal is normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her being so tiny. Yes, her being a 30-year-old lowly girl. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Anyways, so... Um, and as much as Kajima wants to help... 30-year-old chain-smoking lowly girl. Gosh. As much as Kajima wants to help... He can't because, because he, he can't even stay in the room because his power will make this, the healing spell they're going to attempt fail. And that brings us to one of my other top ten items on this list is that mm-hmm. our hero has faults, flaws, and sometimes fails. He can't be there for the girl that he's trying to protect at the moment she needs healing because his, his very presence there would cause her to continue to die. And... He also blames himself because it hap- it happened at his apartment. It happened at his apartment. Mm-hmm. It happened because she left something at his place. It happened because she left she... and he didn't bother to try to get it to her. Yeah, and because she wanted to keep him... She's in danger because she wanted to keep him safe. Mm-hmm. So he should have been more of a man and found a way of keeping her safe. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, the, the the fact that our hero, not, it, it, he isn't a one-trick pony that solves all of his problems all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, like we like the problem they had with the summoned fire demon, mm-hmm. he didn't just dispel it all at once. He needed to find a solution to that problem, mm-hmm. um, and that he he couldn't just learn magic and help her heal as well. He wasn't mm-hmm. the end-all, be-all of all the pro- of all problem solving. Mm-hmm. And that makes him a more interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, that was on my top ten things that are great about this mm-hmm. show. Yeah, no. And there's a couple other things that we need to cover too real fast. Uh, but um, one of mine, um, my fifth and my final one, uh, is uh, casting the spell in episode three. I just loved that entire sequence. Well, tell us about it. Um, well, what happens is that using just kind of miniature items throughout the entire room and you know after drawing a a magical circle on the table with her own blood with oh my gosh that's a lot of blood um she uh they recreated the room inside of the circle and then after index sang a little bit and um komoe joined her um the room was linked to the table and we saw that by um, Komoe accidentally kicking the table, and that made the entire room shake yes. with it. Yes, they were, the table became an avatar for the room, and what happened mm-hmm. on the table happened in the room, and what happens in the room happens mm-hmm. on the table. And we see one of the figurines, this little frog figurine that's being used for index, we see its back kind of blistering and boiling and, ta- and having a lot of damage on it and starting to melt. Yes. Um, all the while index is getting worse. Um, but, uh, we see... The next step is to summon an angel, um, but not really summoning an angel. They're just kind of creating an angel from their own uh, from their own minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and Komoe fails the first time, uh, but she says it's okay. Um, you know, um, we can go ahead and just try it again. Uh, the room is being protected by Undyne. Oh, that's right. Um, before that, we learned that the teacher has a perfect internal clock um that she uses to regulate uh by exercise meal times and things like that. Yes, she doesn't um, need a clock in her house because she she's accurate to the second mm-hmm. of what time it actually is. Yep, and then she um uh by uh she changes well, she doesn't she hasn't drawn the circle out yet at this time, but by knowing what's what constellations were in which part of the sky, um mm-hmm. she um, said, okay, well, then I need Undine to protect us with this, and then I need this to happen. Um, and uh, she then drew out this magical circle with those with the runes in it necessary for the spell. And she said, okay, well, after the teacher failed creating the, the angel the first time, uh, the index said, it's okay, as long as we have Undine's protection, we can go ahead and try a few more times. Um, and then they uh, they did it again second time it worked yeah. and um, we see that 
She's healed after the spell has been cast and the, the back of the frog has been fully restored. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Index then falls asleep uh, because while she's healed, it's still an exhausting process. And after she's healed, her per- other personality announces that it is going back into recession uh, and will come back again when needed. Yep. So after that, Index wakes up and... Um, the teacher says, hey, we need to, I've got lots of questions I'm going to have to ask you guys about what's going on here because you guys are probably going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Um, and as your teacher, I need to be able to help you. But I'm going to go buy food right now. And who knows, maybe I'll be so distracted by buying food, I'll forget the questions I need to ask you. So don't let me forget that. Yeah. But. That wasn't really, I didn't see that as don't let me forget that. That was me that, seeing no, that. No, she, she says don't let me forget that, but she doesn't mean it. Yeah, she doesn't mean it. She's like, so don't let me forget that. And they're like, yeah, she forgot it. And she comes back with the food. Yeah. Um, but one thing that's really fascinating, what's really great about that is that they also use this part to kind of, the post-healing part, they use it to kind of build on the villains. So how about yes. you tell us about your next top ten thing? Okay, what I really liked about this show is um, just how much depth they're giving these characters. Because they could have had, our, our sorcerer was a bully. And was trying to annihilate this guy who was in his way. Mm-hmm. But we come to find out that there, that so he ends up talking to. Now, uh, okay, is it episode two that ends with a panning shot of the girl with the pants? Like, there's a shot where she's like standing on top of a tall spire, very anime style. Where she's observing what's going on, and I it pans think that's up. That's episode two. So right yeah. when they're bringing, mm-hmm. just before the spell, right when they're bringing her into uh, to the teacher's house, mm-hmm. that's when they witness this. And then, so it's the two of them. It's the purple-haired uh, katana wielding, or whatever that long pole. Th- uh, she hasn't drawn it yet, but it looks mm-hmm. like a giant katana in a sheath. Um, so I'm going to assume it's katana wielding uh, sorceress and the fire mage who we've already met are conversing about the situation that they're in and they are witness to and keeping an eye on index and this boy that she is spending time with mm-hmm. and how she seems to be enjoying herself with him. enjoying herself because they see that index is i forget exactly what happened but um uh index is once again upset at um at kajima and is currently tackling him and, and biting him and biting him and we see yeah she seems to really be enjoying herself right now and it cuts to like an outside shot of the teacher's apartment and she's grabbing his cheeks and like laying on top of him and, and like, gnawing him. on his head or something on his head doing something so yeah it's just great uh, but no the the villains have depth there's more to them than there is we are shown that there is more to these characters than just these are some rocksteady bebop style henchmen trying to do their master's bidding. They have feelings and second thoughts about who they're working for and the methodologies they're using. Mm-hmm. And that's and that is drawing me in. I want to see more about why. So these people are sent to do very specific things and these things are violent in nature and are hurting index but at the same time mm-hmm. at the same time it's there's like, there's more to them than just your standard toughs we don't really know if they want to hurt her right mm-hmm. uh, it was implied that the girl with the katana is the one who ended up doing the damage to index's back Mm-hmm. And but that it wasn't intentional, mm-hmm. is what it was implied. Mm-hmm. Not not that the fact of the matter is that it happened, and I immediately don't like her because she hurt Index. But I'm willing to find out. You know, there's mm-hmm. probably there is there is absolutely more to the story that I don't know yet. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. But um. Episode three. Uh, kind of wrapping things along here. 
Oh, and what's uh, real fast? Go ahead and get your your last um, great things about out, which we did kind of already share. But uh... okay, so so my five great things were that our hero has faults and flaws, which I've talked about. The villains have depth, which I just finished talking about. The biting running gag. Now we've already talked about this, but I didn't ex- explicitly say that this is one of my top ten favorite things about this um, show. Was that at the very beginning that the that our hero intentionally got chased away by the thugs to keep the thugs safe from Railgun Girl, and then she chased them down and attacked the thugs anyways. Yes. But he was trying to keep them safe. Keep them safe which from just, her. Which just reminds me of Jacuzzi from Bacchano. Oh, gosh. Jacuzzi's the best. <laughs> I'm not crying. It's a nervous condition. <laughs> Please, I don't want to hurt you. What are you talking about? We got you outnumbered, Crunch. Ah! Guy reaches down and just breaks not only the guy's, the guy's hand, but the pistol he's holding in it. Um... <sighs> <sighs> I'm not crying. It's a nervous condition. condition. Anyways. <laughs> yes. So there's that. And then the the lowly teacher's chain smoking and drinking habits. It's just like, so she, she doesn't exhibit any of the symptoms that you would expect from them. She doesn't have the voice of a chain smoker. She doesn't no. have the face of a, of a uh, habitual drinker. Mm-hmm. She's adorable. But, but she's a she's, she's a, a slob. Oh, her apartment's <laughs> disgusting. Oh, blooming onion of mm-hmm. cigarette butts. Oh man, but yeah, no. Um, so those were my five. Yeah, those were your five. Um, but yeah, uh, the episode ends. Um, uh, Kajima is walking down the road. Uh, or they're supposed to, they're supposed to be going to a bathhouse together. Yes. Um. To um and. It's revealed that Index has no memory from over a year ago. Yes, she she remembers that she has this information in her mind. She remembers that she's from England. She has no memory of England, mm-hmm. of ever being there. And something happened to her where she mm-hmm. has no memory. And as that's revealed, and as they talk about it, um, Kajima, the hero, Kajima. starts teasing her and mocking her and being a bit of a jerk and she gets upset and bites him again the scene cuts and then it cuts back in and he's covered in bite marks and he's by himself she ran off to the bathhouse without him um and then as he's walking along tending to his wounds suddenly everything else stops there's no people there's no cars it's just him in this empty block which if you know anything about rural japan or uh, urban japan Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a place where there's nobody is yeah, and then the purple-haired girl with the katana, she shows up. Um, once again, her name is Kanzaki Kaori, mm-hmm. uh, and she, um, you know, she pretty much just challenges him right then and there, and that's where episode three ends. Yep. So okay. we're definitely eager to see more of this. Oh yeah, I definitely want to watch more. I I want to see more of this show. All right. So does that wrap up this segment? Yeah, I mean, there's not much more we can say about it. I thoroughly enjoyed the first three episodes. Great characters, great story. The animation quality is fantastic. Uh, the music, actually, parts of it reminded me of like classical music. Mm. Um, like when um, when the fire guy, yeah. um, Magnum, yes. um, when he was casting some of his spells, I could have sworn I heard classical music that had just been ramped up super fast. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I'm thoroughly... I thoroughly enjoyed it. I want to watch more. I think it's fantastic. Great. So, uh, okay. And then next week, there's kind of an experimental show that I kind of want to give a try. Not sure if it's going to be any good. All right. Um, But there's a show on Crunchyroll called Inferno Cop. Inferno Cop. Okay. Why did this catch your eye? The art style. The art style is very, very um, unique. It stands out. Mm -hmm. Um. It looks like, like if you could take a look at the artwork, it looks like um, hand-drawn comics. Okay. Like American comics and stuff like that. Like, go ahead and see here a lot of the artwork and stuff for the show. No, yeah. So it's very, very unique art style. Um, so I don't really know much what I'm expecting, but... Um, 
It looks like it might be a motion graphic type show. It could be. It very much could be. Um, but uh, the catchphrase is uh, Inferno Cop versus the World. The Unholy Officer's Flame of Justice Burns. So, and then if we go here and we just go to information, um, episode one, The Badge from Hell, Justice Has Grown Corrupt and Evil Runs Rampant in Jackknife Edge Town. Um, the tortured gasps of the week resound again today. So. It's okay. So, yeah. I am looking forward to giving that a try, seeing what that's like. If, if it's, if I don't enjoy it, if you want to watch the first few episodes, if I do enjoy it, then hey, that's something else to add to the queue. Okay, then. Looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. So, we'll bring that to you next week. All right. Uh, that's it for three episodes in. Uh, how about we then move on to recommendation of the week? Fantastic. And this week it is your turn, Andrew. It's my turn. Uh, over the last week, I recently discovered a series on YouTube called Movies with Mikey. Really? Um, let me go ahead and double check the name of the channel uh, here on uh, YouTube. I should have just written it down. <laughs> this is quality production right here. I know, here. right? Okay. Um, Filmjoy is the name of the channel on YouTube. Filmjoy, Film one word. Mm -hmm. And it's a series by uh, Mikey Newman called Movies with Mikey. Mm -hmm. And he does he does a fantastic job of humorous, humorlessly... Humorously, not humorlessly, yeah, humorously, humorously. In a funny way. Uh-huh, in a funny way. He does a great job of um, breaking down movies and just kind of getting to the nitty-gritty about things. Like, he Neat. did a fantastic video about how Thor Ragnarok is the perfect reboot. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, has another video about The Dark Knight in which he contests, contests that... Um, Heath Ledger's performance is not only the greatest comic book villain performance of all time, but it's the greatest film performance of all time. Yeah, um, weren't you quote this, quoting this at me before, and you're like, nah, it is the greatest film performance of all time, and I will fight you. Pretty much. Yeah, fight me. <laughs> uh, that's not an exact quote, but that's okay. pretty much, he's like, all these great performances, he's just like, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. It's nothing compared to this. Okay, It's the greatest film performance of all time. Um, he does uh, like the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's got a great one with Galaxy Quest. Mm. Um, just a fantastic series. Um, very fun, very enlightened, um, clever, witty. Um, he does some great ones on Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. um, but Which, Who is a genre unto himself. Yes, Wes Anderson. And that's something that he brings up. Like Pretty much Wes Anderson is his own genre at this point. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic series, and unfortunately he doesn't have that many followers, even though he's been doing it for about three years now. Um, so go follow him. So go follow him. Give his videos a try. And this is for you, my brother, as well, because I've been telling you to give him a try. Watch some of his stuff. You'll love it. I guarantee right. it. Um, but, yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that's my your... recommendation of the week. I've been watching pretty much all of his stuff. Fantastic. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I will say it's a little bit sweary from time to time. Um, but, uh, so it's for older audiences. Mm -hmm. But then again, usually film theory, film discussions, and things like that are geared towards older audiences anyways. Right. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's my recommendation of the week. Fantastic. Give, him, give his stuff a try. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the creator shout out. And this week it is my turn. And I want to give a shout out to Stephen Larson of Bike Club, who's currently creating Familiar Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, Stephen Larson was in the um, graduating class of UVU the year before me. Mm -hmm. And so he was involved with different projects, and so we kind of caught each other in passing. We weren't working on the same stuff, but we were aware of each other and the work that we were doing, and uh, it was great mentoring him from time to time. But, uh, no, he, he was great and was able to do his own things. Um mm -hmm. He currently, um, he has creating this, um, mobile game series called Familiar Spirit that is supposed to teach, um, positivity, reinforcement, goal setting, and goal achieving. Mm hmm And it's just this fantastic idea, and he's, uh, putting together... A Patreon page trying to get some financing for it, and I highly recommend anybody listening to this go 
Go mm-hmm. to patreon.com forward slash familiar spirit as one word. Um, and take a look at the content he's creating. And uh, if, you, uh, if you find it in your heart, uh, become a patron of his. Good deal. Uh, it'll help out with uh, the production because... He he wants to give these games out for free. He thinks that what he, he he has a solid belief that what he is creating needs to be out there, and it needs to be something that he doesn't intend to monetize. That he wants people that, that uh, this is an important enough thing that people should have access to it for free. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's created anything knows if you don't have resources to create, it takes much longer. And mm-hmm. we want to see this thing come together. Mm-hmm. So he's only a couple patrons away from being able to afford his own uh, Adobe um, suite account mm-hmm. on a month-to-month basis. Um, but the more the more patrons he gets, the more resources he has to actually finish his project. So, okay. So, you know, everybody check him out, and uh, I'd really appreciate it if he did. I'm already uh, helping him out. So, cool. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Cool. So... You guys go out there and uh, you help them out too. Awesome. Sounds good to me. Uh, Well, I guess that's it. All right. That wraps us up for this week. I've been Lee. I've been Andrew. And we look forward to seeing you next week. All right. See you guys later.